Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors of the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast about the books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. What does it look like to invite people into our home in a day and age in which Christianity is not welcome? What does it look like to be hospitable to a world that is inhospitable to us? That's the question that Rosaria Butterfield seeks to answer in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. This week's episode of The Weekly, I invited Sarah Gilliam on to discuss this book. I hope that this is an encouraging episode for you, and I think that you'll find it challenging and really helpful in a lot of ways. Give it a listen. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello. How's it going? Good. So we are here today to discuss the Rosario Butterfield book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. That we are. The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. I appreciate your hospitality and letting us record in your dining room. (laughs) Anytime. Yeah. So one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode was one, because I, uh, the book and the concepts in the book are, are really helpful, and I thought that Sarah was someone who lived out the principles that are put forward in the book really, really well, um, and is an example in living them out. So I encouraged her to read the book and, and asked her if she'd be willing to come on and discuss it with me. So appreciate your willingness to do so. Of course. Now, how, uh, Sarah, how long have you been at the Church of Your Station, and in what capacity do you serve our church? Um, I've been at the church at Greer Station. I think we came right around the time of like the official launch. We were kind of sniffing around before then, but we showed up for the official launch. Um, we've done anything and everything, childcare. We um, host and co-lead a small group or a community group. And yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, typically, I have a surprise question for the person I interview, but Sarah said she had a surprise question for me. So, what is it? All right. My question is, well, I'll, I'll preface it. Okay. I was talking with your wife and a couple different ladies about this recently. Okay. And I was thinking, if there's one person that has a very strong and unmoving opinion on this, it's going to be Trevor. So, Trevor. I'm so scared about that. <laughs> You're about to ask me. Describe for me okay. the anatomy of the perfect coffee mug. The anatomy of the perfect coffee mug. That's a great question. So the the key thing of any coffee mug is the the place that you drink the so the rim where you put your mouth to drink. See, I knew it. It has to be really thin. <laughs> it has to be really thin, and it has to have a slight curve to it. So it's got to be really thin, and it's got to have a slight curve. So if there's kind like of like inward curve or an outward curve, and it needs to be an inward. So from the end of the cup, kind of curving in the direction of your mouth, and it's got to be really thin, and it's got to have just a slight curve. Um, it also helps if it's taller, and there's no handles, because handles just obstruct. You are describing a glass. <laughs> I'm describing a regular cup. A regular glass, regular cup is the best thing to drink coffee from. And I know that's weird, and it doesn't keep the heat well and when you touch it it makes your hand hot but that is the best thing to drink coffee from because it's the most efficient way to get the coffee into the mouth i knew you would have an opinion on this and i'm not disappointed well emily has these coffee mugs that are are, are really thick at the top and i'm like i can't i can't drink coffee from these things (laughs) without dribbling it down on my shirt onto my pants so that's why i need i need a regular cup 
to drink coffee from? My mother-in-law, Kathy, just bought me this really big mug that's like orb-shaped, and it might be the perfect coffee mug for me. Yeah? Yeah. It's like the perfect color. It's about fall. It's an orb. I have the plastic TCGS cup, the plastic, the black plastic ones Mm -hmm. that have the logo on the side. That's my coffee cup. That's the only one I use. I feel like you probably also have mine because I left it at TCGS at some point, and I'm sure that that's one thing that doesn't go to the lost and found you Correct. just pocket those and I, I do have lots of them <laughs> that are probably stolen from the lost and found so now that we've wasted four minutes of your time talking about the perfect <laughs> coffee cup if you have opinions on this please email sarah at <laughs> whatever her email is so um back to this book <clears throat> the gospel comes to the house key practicing radically ordinary hospitality in our post-christian world this is a book that was written by a gal named rosaria butterfield i, I first heard about it I think through the Nine Marks uh, Pastors Talk podcast. So they were talking about this book and talking about how helpful some of the concepts in the book were. Uh, We ordered it, uh, Emily and I ordered it, gosh, probably when it first came out more than a year ago. Emily read it immediately and for the last year has been telling me that I really need to read the book because she said one of the things that was really helpful about the book was it's not one of those books that um, just sort of bludgeons you with your how poorly you're doing this thing. Rather, it sets forward kind of a positive vision of the beauty of mm-hmm. this sort of thing. Yeah, I actually told Zach it's almost hospitable in the way that she writes it. Hmm. Like, it's it's goodness and helpfulness to the reader. It's not it's not like you said a bludgeon. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and she it makes sense because her background is in English. She was an English te- English teacher uh, for years. So speaking of of English, I, I can't speak it. Yeah. And it reads like it. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a really beautifully written book. Um, it, typically, when I read through books that have a lot of stories, particularly the beginning of the chapters, I get kind of frustrated, kind of ready to get through the stories to get to the content. But she she writes really well, really mm-hmm. beautifully and compellingly and uses the stories to kind of serve the point of the book really well. Mm-hmm. I found it to be really helpful. Agreed. So <clears throat> in, the, in the subtitle, we're told that this book is about radically ordinary hospitality. So let's begin there. What does she mean? What does she mean by radically ordinary hospitality? Um, I wrote this down because she gave a really great definition of it. She just said radically ordinary hospitality is using your Christian home um, to make strangers, neighbors and neighbors a part of the family of God. Um, And she obviously expounds upon that a lot. Uh, She talks about the purpose behind it being building and and focusing and deepening the family of God. and just basically your life and your home are not your own um, and they mm. are meant to be poured out for the gospel in really challenging ways hmm. how might that be different from the way someone listening to this podcast might typically think about hospitality like what do you think is what, what do you think typically comes to mind when when folks hear the word hospitality um our hospitality table at church, um, knocking on doors of everyone who, I think Zach grew up in a program where they did faith, like they would go knock on the doors of everybody who visited their church. Um, Whereas what she's talking about here is is radical. I mean, it's kind of a paradox putting radical and ordinary next to one another, Um, but it is a major overhaul of the way that we live our lives, Mm. not just 
can we invite somebody for dinner here and there, but how are we planning and orchestrating every part of our lives so that we're thinking about hospitality and how, mm. to, how do you love the stranger and show hospitality to the stranger? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, she's talking about a completely different way of inhabiting the world. Doing so through the lens, as you just said, of having an extra seat at the table, of always having a place mm-hmm. for a stranger to become a neighbor, a neighbor to become the family of God. I think when I think about hospitality, I, I think about when this is no knock on my my mom and all, but w- whenever we would have folks over, it was like the day was spent leading up, making sure that the house was really clean, making sure that everything was as presentable as it could be, mm-hmm. which you know is a form of neighbor love, you know, caring for your neighbors by you know honoring them and having a clean house and good dinner and all of that. But it was very much kind of a it was a, a thing that we put on for mm-hmm. a little while and then took off. Yeah. Um, and what she's talking about here, as you mentioned, is a completely different approach that's not just kind of occasionally putting on hospitality. It's rather kind of living a porous life uh-huh. where there's people in and out at all times. Yeah, it seemed like she, um, like the book could almost be read as a book for Christian living, like because every part of her Christian life seemed to be infiltrated by her hospitality. Mm. Even the way that she talks about never in a braggadocious way, but rising each morning, spending time in scripture, praying very intentionally for the people around her. Um, It's all with that in mind. Mm. How can I live out this life that we have for the sake of the gospel? Mm. Mm. It's very challenging. Mm. Yeah, and I was really impressed by how frequently she talked about she like gave defenses of church membership and church discipline throughout the book. Absolutely. it It really was like kind of a this isn't just a book on um, kind of a, a cute book on how to have the the kinfolk table and you, you know that sort of thing uh-huh. and how to do it in a Christian way. This really is. I mean, that's a good point. This really is kind of a book on Christian living um, that I think really helpfully demonstrates that Christianity, in some ways, is hospitality. To be a Christian is to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, good stuff. Uh, would you recommend this book? I would absolutely recommend this book if you want to be challenged to reinvent your whole life <laughs> in a good way in, in a, a good, good way, way. Yeah. In, a, in a very good way yeah uh, <clears throat> what's the, what's the connection between the, the title of the book is the gospel comes with a house key what is the connection between the gospel and the house key how does she, how does she draw a line there mm-hmm. um yeah so kind of her major her major point there is um we are saved by the blood of jesus christ and because of that he has every right to demand our life and no less. Mm. Um, and so that means that we are not um, allowed to, we're not benefited in any way by compartmentalizing our lives so that we have our Christian living over here and then we get to come home at the end of the day and like you said, kind of put off hospitality. Um, but in very real and um, very practical ways, we are called to um, to give our entire lives for the sake of the gospel. Mm. And that doesn't always look like going to the mission field and being martyred. It means dying a thousand deaths every day mm. when you don't feel like having people over or engaging somebody on a struggle that they're having or speaking to a neighbor or things like that. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that felt really challenging was the literalness, you could say, of the loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Like when she talks about loving your neighbor, making strangers neighbors and neighbors family, she she's using it 
very literally in terms of the people that live in close proximity to mm -hmm. her. She begins the book with a story about a neighbor who lived across the street that was really difficult, um, that presented a lot of challenges for the family that was ultimately busted for creating- A meth lab. Yeah, having a meth lab in his home. Spoiler alert, yeah, he was but, cooking meth in his garage. <laughs> but the way that they, her family chose to love that guy yeah. precisely because as, as she says god does not get your address wrong mm -hmm. god puts you at whatever your address is mm -hmm. whatever season that he has put you there for the purpose of loving those actual literal neighbor neighbors uh -huh. those people who are in even actual like proximity to you that specific situation she connected with him even when he was just the weird neighbor like yeah. in really practical ways i think they connected over walking their dogs like she had a really unruly dog and he was kind of this reclusive guy that finally said hey, I can help you with your dog. Hmm. Um, so she and her kids would go walk the dog with him and they became friends with him. So when he was busted, I think they were actually questioned because all the neighbors kind of pointed a finger at them and said, well, they actually know that guy and like the guy. Um, and so they all kind of accused them of, surely you knew, surely you were a part of that in hmm. some way. Um, but they even maintained the relationship through, he's in prison now, he's become a believer, they're still in connection with him their kids write to their meth addicted neighbor in prison it's amazing it's, it's amazing and yeah. over and over again the, the point that she makes as you said a moment ago was like jesus um jesus makes a claim on our lives and that's not a, that's not a it's not a big statement in some ways that's kind of a small statement mm. in, in in that um everything we now do we do in the name of jesus christ um and being followers of jesus kind of requires us to take all of those mm -hmm. ordinary activities and all of the ordinary interactions we have with our neighbors. Every you know, visit to the mailbox and we see our neighbor also walking to the mailbox, waving to that neighbor, all of that is done mm -hmm. in the name of the Lord Jesus now mm -hmm. because we've been bought with his blood. Um, and that's sort of the foundation for everything in her mind. Yeah. It's good stuff. What would you say are some of the challenges to radically ordinary hospitality, to making strangers, neighbors, and neighbors a part of the family of God? Um, yeah. I would say that there are many, um, like the biggest one of all being our sinfulness and wanting to have a claim on our own lives, wanting to come home at the end of a long day where we've worked hard and done what we were supposed to do and I just want to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix and yell at my kids a little bit or things like that. Um, so yeah, I think we sinfully want to do what we want with our time. Um, engaging people is difficult. Mm. People are difficult. Mm -hmm. We are difficult. Mm -hmm. um, Speak for yourself, but... <laughs> everyone except for you, of course. Correct. Um, we are weird and, like, stupidly insecure and things like that. Um, we have a four-month-old, and so I feel like the months and years after having a baby, I just feel like a giant weirdo. And so... Every time I go to talk to someone, I'm like, they probably don't want to talk to me. I'm probably going to say something stupid. I just did say something stupid. And then it's just, it's totally, it's totally gone. So yeah, there's that. Um, there is the fact that we want to build our walls. Um, she talks a lot about um, just kind of the distinction between Christians who kind of build their walls. She says, drop the, the bridge on the moat mm -hmm. um, and we condemn the world. And then the other extreme of that being uh, we put coexist stickers on our cars mm. and, and mm. make exceptions um, in scripture for people's sin. 
um, just so that we can engage them. Um, but the balance there is, she said she said a lot of different helpful helpful phrases. One was, Jesus dined with sinners; he didn't sin with sinners. Hmm. Um, and so, just thinking about that in terms of <clears throat> how do I live a Christian life? How do I, you know, in a sense, I want to protect my children, I want to protect my family, and yet I'm called to engage my neighbors. Um, what is what does that look like? Yeah. What does that look look like without? She talked about being accepting without approving. Mm-hmm. That was very helpful and very um, profound for me. I don't know. It was a very simple concept, but not one that I had ever really arrived at um, thinking about. I mean, because she is befriending not just meth addicts, but people who are struggling with homosexual tendencies and um, people with different addictions. Um, but yeah, just the stranger. And all stranger. that comes with the stranger. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Uh, I mean, she one helpful distinction she made was between someone's holiness and goodness. Like we can re- we could recognize that someone is created in the image of God, and we can recognize the goodness that they possess mm-hmm. by virtue of being made in God's image. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, without giving a full throated endorsement to that person, mm-hmm. or um, not losing sight of the fact that they also need the blood mm-hmm. of Christ to atone yeah. for their sins. Um, that was that was really helpful. Um, one of the interesting th- things about the book is she she does, I guess you could say, like foreground the reality that we live in a hostile world. We we are we have entered into a new age, a post Christian age, mm-hmm. in which Christianity is um, becoming increasingly more marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, really, for the first time in the Western world, yeah. we're seeing Christianity pushed to the fringes and. Not, not just seen as like outdated, but seen as dangerous uh-huh. and problematic and mm-hmm. in need of being done away with. Yeah. And so she acknowledges that, that we're not, we're not talking about some kind of fairy tale uh-huh. uh, deal where everyone loves us, but actually how to show hospitality in the midst of antagonism. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that was really helpful was in, in talking about engaging um, folks in kind of an antagonistic world is the need for us to have a is for our strong homes to be strong to make sure that we are mm-hmm. um how did she say it it was like the the idea that our um hospitality is spiritual warfare um, because we're you know as we're kind of investing in our children and living out uh, principles of, of god's love and forgiveness and grace in the confines of our home and we're being rooted in scripture and prayer mm-hmm. we're when we open up our home that's the sort of thing that we're inviting people into. Uh-huh. Um, thought that was really helpful. Yeah. Uh, what, what would you say are some? Uh, I told you the twenty minutes would go fast. We're already at eighteen minutes. Oh goodness. Uh, what There's was, no what, time. What were some practical things that you think you could sort of give to the listener that would be an encouragement to for them to begin thinking about the um, the ways in which they can make radically ordinary hospitality a part of their lives? Um, yeah. So she laid out just some things to consider that were helpful that are. They're a little more big picture. Um, I'm just going to read them real quick. Sure. So number one was respect the reality of your neighbors. Um, I think that kind of goes with what we were talking about. Um, just like all of these people need the blood of Christ, we cannot just cut them off and condemn them. Um, no matter how nice they are, no matter how sweet they seem. Yes. Or, yeah. Or how awful they seem. Yes. Either side of that. Both of them need the blood of Christ. Yeah. Um, pray that you'll be a safe person to your to your neighbors. Um, 
understand the biblical difference between holiness and goodness. Um, that's what you were talking about. Like, don't be afraid to recognize the goodness, recognize the neighbor that's like, hey, can you come and help me with my dog? You know about dogs. And I don't, we had a neighbor that um, was a little bit difficult, but he was really good with cars. And he was like, told Zach, I would love to help you change your oil. Zach's like, I don't know how to change my oil, but sure. Mm. Um, don't accuse ill will of people who hold a different theology than you. Know why it matters that most are, or that we are made in the image of God. That was a, a really key one. Um, when she's talking about, um, she talked about how pe- sin is how people are. It's not who people are. Hmm. They're first image bearers. Hmm. Um, and that's why we sinners can engage other sinners um, and recognize that we all bear the image of God hmm. um, and we all need the, the blood of Christ. Um, and then the last one was start somewhere, start today. Hmm. Um, and so she kind of gives the warning that it's going to cost you money and time and hmm. heartache. I think she said sometimes her monthly budget for food is three times what they plan for because of hospitality, because of spontaneous yes. things that they need to address. That is a thing. That's not a, that's not a small amount of money. It's not. Um, so yeah, I think practically speaking, that's going to be the biggest hindrance for people is, well, how do I be hospitable when I've got this tight budget or I only have this much time? I only have this much room for people's struggles um but i think that's a good that's a good way to look at it like we can't all wake up tomorrow and be rosaria butterfield yeah we just can't because we were just talking beforehand that she's obviously inhuman in some way um but you can do something Mm. you can engage your neighbor at the mailbox Mm. you can brew a pot of coffee Mm -hmm. um she talks about making beans and rice she did say that she's mostly vegetarian and meat is expensive so there's that that's that's one practical um, thing that she does is we can still honor the image of God in her, even though she doesn't even though she doesn't even. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yes, a pro tip on being hospitable. I was thinking about this. Don't ever serve mushrooms, because that is the most disliked food. But you don't like mushrooms, right? I don't. Justin, mushrooms and olives are like the only things I don't eat. That's unfortunate. You don't eat olives. Justin Harrison like abhors mushrooms. Like, yeah. Does not want anything to do with them. And Zach loves mushrooms, and so that's just something I've learned over the years. <laughs> that's all I got. Good to know. Pro that's tips. <laughs> we well, should make friend. that a, a part of each episode, just kind of a 30-second pro tip with Sarah. <laughs> Never serve mushrooms to guests. Yeah. Just be safe. Yeah, I, I, I do love the last thing she says there. Start somewhere, start today. There is some kind of movement you can make today towards... Mm-hmm showing hospitality to a neighbor, to, to making a stranger a neighbor and a neighbor a part of the family of God. Um, so just as we conclude, what would be the, what would be just one thing, one encouraging thing that you would say to our listeners? Any folks, you know, regardless of where they're at, renting, they're in a dorm room, they own a house, they don't feel like they have a lot of margin. What would be one thing that you would say to encourage them to take seriously the call to be hospitable? Um, <clears throat> I would say... Gosh, you didn't prepare me for this question. Um, she kind of stole the start somewhere, start today. That would be the most obvious one. Um, think outside the box. Hmm. Think about ways that not everybody can have 100 people in their house for dinner. Um, not, even, not everybody can have five people in their house for dinner. Um, but you can help somebody and training their dog. Um, Mm. Somebody in our small group 
can't really do help with meals, but she brings me hundreds and hundreds of silverware, like plastic silverware hmm. and paper plates. Um, somebody yesterday cleaned, Megan Bolin cleaned most of my kitchen yesterday. Like hmm. that is the most hospitable thing you can do for me because hmm. I clean the kitchen four times a day and I hate it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, think about think about things you can do with hmm. where God has placed you and the hmm. talents he's given you. Um, Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's great. There, there is there are some um, edges of the field that can be gleaned for the good of someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. Well, thanks for listening, Sarah. Thanks for hopping on board today. Anytime. Uh, yeah, you're so hospitable, Sarah. Thank you for that. <laughs> thanks for listening. Hope this is encouraging to you. Again, the book is "The Gospel Comes with a House Key" by Rosario Butterfield. Highly recommended. Um, and who knows? Maybe we uh, maybe we make it a point to talk to this book as a church at some point. I think that could be really beneficial. I wouldn't hate it.